European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 47, Focus Issue on Hypertension, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Arterial and Pulmonary Hypertension, Risk Assessment and Current Pharmacological and Interventional Management. Arterial hypertension remains one of the most common and important cardiovascular risk factors. For its management, a series of old and novel antihypertensive drugs are at our disposal. However, more recently, renal denovation, which was successfully used surgically in the 1950s, and other interventional techniques have been rediscovered. Unfortunately, after exciting early trials, the neutral Simplicity HTN3 trial brought this novel technique almost to an end, until a sub-analysis demonstrated the relationship of its effectiveness with the number of properly performed ablations. This year, the Phoenix re-emerged out of its ashes with three positive trials with novel devices based on radiofrequency or ultrasound energy, as outlined in the viewpoint Catheter-Based Renal Denovation, The Next Chapter Begins, authored by Felix Mafoud from the Saarland University Hospital in Homburg, Germany, along with colleagues. In their review, Epigenetics and Precision Medicine in Cardiovascular Patients from Basic Concepts to Clinical Arena, Francesco Paneni and colleagues from the University of Zurich in Switzerland remind us that preventive medications improve vascular outcomes in less than half of patients. Thus, precision medicine is an unmet need that new genetic tools could help to address. Yet, the inherited genome determines only part of an individual's risk profile. Indeed, Standard genomic approaches do not take into account the extensive gene expression by epigenetic modifications, defined as heritable changes to the genome that do not involve changes in DNA sequence. These could advance individualized risk assessment, as well as devising and deploying tailored therapies. Hypertension is a known cardiovascular risk factor. However, it is less well known that sleep-time blood pressure is a stronger risk factor for cardiovascular disease events than awake and 24-hour blood pressure. Unfortunately, the role of asleep blood pressure as a therapeutic target for diminishing cardiovascular diseases risk is uncertain. In their article, Asleep Blood Pressure Significant Prognostic Marker or Vascular Risk and Therapeutic Target for Prevention, Ramon C. Hermida, on behalf of the Hygia Project investigators, prospectively evaluated 18,078 individuals with baseline 48-hour ambulatory blood pressure ranging from normotension to hypertension. Over five years of follow-up, 13% had events, almost all of them experiencing either cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, coronary revascularization, heart failure, or stroke, with asleep systolic blood pressure being most predictive, with a hazard ratio of 1.29, regardless of office, with a hazard ratio of 1.03, and awake systolic blood pressure, with a hazard ratio of 1.02. 
Most importantly, progressive attenuation of asleep systolic blood pressure was the most significant marker of event-free survival with a hazard ratio of 0.75, regardless of changes in office or awake systolic blood pressure. Thus, asleep systolic blood pressure is an under-recognized and most important risk factor. Furthermore, Treatment-induced decrease of asleep but not awake systolic blood pressure, a novel hypertension therapeutic target requiring periodic patient evaluation by ambulatory monitoring, is associated with significantly lower cardiovascular risk, a novel finding that is further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Stefano Tadei from the Università degli Studi di Pisa in Italy. Not only arterial, but also pulmonary hypertension is associated with a high morbidity and mortality, independent of its cause. Guidelines recommend a goal-orientated treatment approach in such patients based on proper risk assessment. However, as this is not well evaluated, David Keilhammer and colleagues from the University of Lund in Sweden investigated such risk assessment and its benefit of reaching a low risk profile in their article, A Comprehensive Risk Stratification at Early Follow-Up Determines Prognosis in Pulmonary Arterial Hypertension. They investigated 530 pulmonary arterial hypertension patients over a median of four months and classified them as low, intermediate, or high risk. Survival differed between the risk groups at baseline, while survival was similar for those remaining in or improved to the low-risk group. Survival was similar for patients who remained in or worsened to the intermediate-risk or high-risk groups. Irrespective of risk group, survival was better for patients with a higher proportion of variables at low risk. Patients in the low-risk group at follow-up, exhibited a markedly reduced mortality risk with an adjusted hazard ratio of 0.2 as compared to those in the intermediate and high-risk groups. Thus, comprehensive risk assessments with a strategy of reaching a low-risk profile is a valid approach in pulmonary hypertension. The importance of these results for clinical practice are further discussed in an editorial by Marc Humbert from the Université Paris-Sud in Paris, France. Pulmonary embolism is a cause of acute pulmonary hypertension and indeed may lead to syncopal events in such patients. In their article, Differential Impact of Syncope on the Prognosis of Patients with Acute Pulmonary Embolism, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, Stefano Barco and colleagues from the Johannes Gutenberg University Mainz in Germany investigated the association between syncope and short-term outcomes in such patients. Of 1,664 studies, 29 were included for a total of 21,956 patients with pulmonary embolism, of which 17% presented with syncope. Syncope was associated with higher prevalence of hemodynamic instability with an odds ratio of 3.50, as well as with echocardiographic signs of right ventricular dysfunction. 
patients with syncope had a higher risk of all-cause 30-day mortality and pulmonary embolism-related 30-day adverse outcomes. The absolute risk difference for all-cause death was plus 6% in studies of unselected patients, but was minus 1% in studies restricted to normotensive patients. Thus, acute pulmonary embolism presenting with syncope is associated with a higher prevalence of hemodynamic instability and right ventricular dysfunction, and an elevated risk for early pulmonary embolism-related adverse outcomes. The association with an increased risk of early death appeared more prominent in studies including unselected patients, as compared to those focusing on normotensive patients only. Hemodynamically unstable patients with pulmonary embolism have fierce outcome. The role of extracorporeal membrane oxygenation in such patients remains ill-defined. In their article, Outcomes After Extracorporeal Membrane Oxygenation for the Treatment of High-Risk Pulmonary Embolism, a multi-center series of 52 cases, Nicolas Menevaux and colleagues from the University Hospital Besancon in France investigated outcomes of such an intervention. 128 patients were treated conservatively, while 52 underwent extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. Overall, 30-day mortality was 48.3%. Of the conservatively treated patients, 43% died, while mortality in those receiving extracorporeal membrane oxygenation was 62%. At 30 days, mortality was 77% for those undergoing extracorporeal membrane oxygenation plus fibrinolysis, 29% for those undergoing extracorporeal membrane oxygenation plus surgical emboloctomy, and 77.7% for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation alone. Thus, in high-risk pulmonary embolism, those with extracorporeal membrane oxygenation have a more severe presentation and worse prognosis. Extracorporeal membrane oxygenation in those with failed fibrinolysis or no reperfusion seems to be associated with particularly unfavorable outcome compared with extracorporeal membrane oxygenation with surgical emboloctomy. As such, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation is not justified as a standalone strategy but shows promise together with surgical emboloctomy a conclusion that is critically discussed in an editorial by Nazarino Gallier from the University of Bologna in Italy. Venous thrombosis is the basis of pulmonary embolism. Its origin is often unclear, but involves immobility, coagulation disorders, and inflammation. The current knowledge is updated in a current opinion entitled Diagnosis and Management of Acute Deep Vein Thrombosis, a joint consensus document from the ESC Working Groups of Aorta and Peripheral Circulation and Pulmonary Circulation and Right Ventricular Function. Lucia Mazolai and colleagues from the Lausanne University Hospital in Switzerland note that deep vein thrombosis represents an often neglected global disease burden affecting millions of individuals worldwide. Here they address current diagnosis and management of acute deep vein thrombosis according to a European consensus. 
The document follows the 2014 ESC guidelines on diagnosis and management of acute pulmonary embolism, filling a gap for a comprehensive view on venous thromboembolism management. The issue is complemented by a discussion forum related to the article Blood Pressure Variability and Risk of Cardiovascular Events and Death in Patients with Hypertension and Different Baseline Risks by Avind Berger and colleagues from the Oslo University Hospital in Norway. In the letter Blood Pressure and the Uncertainty of Prediction Using Hazard Ratio, Christian Torp-Peterson and colleagues from the Aalborg University and Aalborg University Hospital in Denmark comment on the paper. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.